This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by FingerTech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out FingerTech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. FingerTech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. All the way up on the upper deck, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Brian and Nick Nave from Captain Shredderator. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, we're heading to Virginia, where Perfect Phoenix Captain Tyler Wynn announced he wasn't able to compete in the BattleBots World Championship this season due to school commitments and would instead appear exclusively in, quote, bounty fights instead. This is our first official confirmation of bounty fights this season after BattleBots show owner Aaron Catling cleverly dodged the question in our interview with us last week. Tyler had started middle school during the shoot and his parents worried about him missing two weeks of school. On over to eBay, where Tombstone Captain Ray Billings is again auctioning off battle damage memorabilia, this time an autographed wheel and an autographed armor plate. The auction ends this Sunday, and prices currently stand at a little over $130 each. Meanwhile, Hydra Captain Jake Ewert is auctioning off autographed hats and shirts that he wore at filming. This week's hat and shirt combo is also signed by Endgame, so you get a little two-for-one action there. Sad news out of Florida this week, where witch doctor Captain Andrea Galately announced she would be ending her very excellent BattleBots after show, Tale of the Tape. She writes, quote, We've loved doing the after show since 2016, but the new timing of this season, return of in-person events on weekends, along with non-robot-related pursuits, simply makes it impossible this year. Last season, it took our crew Thursday to Sunday to brainstorm, research, and film, then Sunday to Tuesday to gather guest content and edit the show, with only a one-day break before starting all over for 14 weeks straight. Tale of the Tape was an incredible show, and I want to thank Andrea, Mike, Will Bales, and the rest of their volunteer crew for putting it together each week. Now that the show is over, it's probably time to reveal the true identity of Technical T-Rex, who was none other than B. All right, Nicole, just drop in like a beep right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't believe it was that person. My goodness. I know. It's cool. Is that legal? <laughs> Can we even say that person's name? I mean, <laughs> that person? <laughs> and finally, Duck Captain Hal Rucker has selected six winners of his foul language contest. I want to call out one joke that I thought was particularly clever. From James B, who writes, quote, Your bot is so slow, it has rushless motors. 
Come on, guys. That's really good. James B. I th- I thought his name was James Beak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just, just James B., I think. Yeah, like the insect, Lindsay. Not like a, a duck's bill. <laughs> and that's it for this week's news. <laughs> Uh, now, before we get to our interview with Captain Shredderator, uh, it's time yet again for Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had 50 people participate in Snap Decisions. 12 managed to call six out of the seven fights correctly. Those people are Curtis Honeycutt, Austin Brady, Steven Spurk, Daniel Leslie Marshall, Matthew Cahoy, Mike Taylor, Megan Jane, Cameron Hutton, Lindsay Yuriko, Rihanna Taylor, Francois Pelsier, and our own Lindsay Bear. Yeah, that's not accurate. I don't think that's accurate, although I'd love to take the credit. I think that this is the first time this is the first time that Chris came out on top. <laughs> Lindsay, you definitely called six out of the seven correct, and I will tell you No 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 no, no, no Luke. You just wrote things down wrong. Um, okay, wait, where, Lindsay, where, where did I get it wrong? The, the, one, the one that you called wrong, Lindsay, was Switchback, okay? I also called it for Tombstone. You called it for Captain Shredderator, Lindsay. Did I? Yes, no. yes, yes. I, I don't think that I did. I'm still going to go with Tombstone, and I feel okay about that, but I would not be shocked if Shredderator pulled it out. Five out of seven's not that bad. All right, it's still better than average, Lindsay. Well, let's just, let's go ahead and just get this out there then, that Mr. Chris got six out of seven right and belongs on this uh, list of esteemed fans that know what they're talking about, Luke. Wait a second. You think it's six out of seven. Wait, let me see this. Oh, oh, I know. I know I got six out of seven. I would have gotten seven out of seven if it wasn't for you and this this whole sticker debacle that you got us looped into, Luke. Chris, according to my notes, you called it for Switchback, Tombstone, and Hydra. So you got four out of seven, my friend. Whoa. Yeah, well, I, uh, I also think that maybe there was a little bias in whoever was writing those notes down. <laughs> because I know, I know, I know what I had in my heart. All right. Okay. Uh, the easiest fight to call last week was Blacksmith versus Free Shipping, with 43 out of 50 people predicting correctly that Blacksmith would win. The hardest, as we've said, obviously, was Captain Shredderator versus Tombstone, with just nine out of 50 people predicting that Captain Shredderator would win. All right. Now, before we get into uh, to this week's fight card, I am really interested in hearing your thoughts very quickly on episode one. I thought that there were a couple of big kind of storylines, kind of new things. Um, you know, obviously, very explosive fights. We saw an awful lot of fire. Uh, we saw the debut of the upper deck. And we saw this new and redesigned and very hard hitting blacksmith. Um, but I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, big takeaways after the episode, Kyle, your, your thoughts on episode one. Yeah. Okay. I hate the upper deck officially. Me too. (laughs) I am not going to pull any punches about that. I think like a million horrible things have been said about it already. So I, I don't need to dive into why. Um, but I will say, Whilst I love the new blacksmith, I do not like the new Al Kindle 
why isn't he salty anymore? He just, I just miss that, that edge, that salty, salty edge he used to have. And this guy just seemed too nice. What happened? Kyle, did you say blacksmith is back? Yeah. You didn't see him? Oh, I thought, are you talking about Chungus Blaze? Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's Saw Blaze from Wish. <laughs> I, I should not be mean. The new blacksmith is sick, and I like it, and it's awesome, and it makes me happy, and I wish the blade wasn't green because everybody's going to make those comparisons. But yeah. uh, literally, if they did not make the blade green, they would be better off. But but it's it's good. It's a really good bot, and it performed great, and I love that fight. That was, like, the most fun fight of the episode. Yeah, Al, I think Al is onto something here. Regardless of what he wants to call the weapon, it's no longer a chicken tenderizer. Um, and it is now a very resilient bot, as it's shown in the past. But now it has a weapon on there that uh, he's not... He's not scared to throw that thing a hundred times. It's totally different watching, you know, uh, uh, this new blacksmith and Sawblaze fight. Uh, Sawblaze will go for the scoop and then it will very methodically wait and for like the perfect opportunity to drop the hammer. And Al is just out there like swinging like at a pinata at a bachelor party. Yeah, amen. That is part of the reason why it was so much fun. And when really when both like when one bot would ignite the other bot's fire, right? Like that oh, that just made me so happy so many times. That was awesome. Like this I am so glad that Aaron booked this fight. It made me just overjoyed the entire time. The the whole three minutes was great. I'm curious why more people didn't call it for free shipping. I feel like if I was participating in Snap Decisions last week, I would have probably called it for free shipping. But the entire crowd went for blacksmith, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, is it just that control bots don't win, I guess, in modern battle bots anymore? And that they assumed if it went to a judge's decision, you know, it would go to the the bot with the, the weapon. Is that is that what our thinking is? Ooh, I don't know if it's that or if it's an impression thing, because like of the bots with not the best win loss record, in my mind, Free shipping has a much worse win-loss record than Blacksmith. So perhaps hmm. that is where that came from, is that impression. I don't even know if the math, like if the math actually works out for that. I'd have to go look at their win-loss records. But in my mind, uh, free shipping is not as winning of a bot as Blacksmith. Interesting. Lindsay, your your thoughts. I mean, we got to see Sawblaze just come roaring out of the gates, you know, in our very first, you know, episode, first fight of the season. Um, you know, as our resident Sabe, you know, your thoughts on that fight? Um, you know, the first 10, 15 seconds or so, I thought, wow, I was completely wrong. So, uh, Minotaur is going to knock him around and not let him get, you know, um, their bearings and Without their bearings, they can't do much. Um, and then it all came down to this one, like, ill-fated scoop for Minotaur, um, where I think Daniel Freitas made, like, it, it was, like, a split second where he it looked like he was trying to go the other way and turn around, but Sawblaze was, like, right there to get him. And it was all over from there. I mean, he flipped him over, cut into his underbelly. I mean, oh, my God, that was incredible. Um, but I, I wonder, you know, I do wonder if you had that match 10 times, like what would have, what would the outcome be? I don't think it would be Sawblaze necessarily a hundred percent of the time. Um, 
But that was like an incredible, <laughs> incredible match and really demonstrates how freaking powerful um, that that weapon is. It just cut through Minotaur like it was nothing. Um, and I know it was like, you know, I don't know how armored they were underneath. But they really can't. I mean, they, they pack all that weight into that drum. And so, you know, they rely on that to help them gyro and move about. And that's that's part of their, you know, defense is being so nimble. So, you know, they, um, you know, they, they their, their goal is to throw as much weight into offense as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it hurt them this time just because of the, you know, opportunity that Sawblaze was able to seize and what a match I mean I you know this is my personal belief but I I feel like is there a more entertaining battle bot than Sawblaze like it's just it really puts on a show I think he was the only bot who was really able to um make the upper deck seem interesting at all like I'm not a fan of the upper deck. I, it seems like it takes up an incredible amount of room. It don't, I don't fully understand what its purpose is other than like making some bots have a disadvantage. Um, but like, you know, Sawblaze brought Minotaur up there. Maybe they were stuck together. I don't know. But like, you know, that was kind of cool, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like, there's no bot in my eyes that it's more entertaining than Sawblaze. They just, they're fun from start to finish. That was my favorite fight of the episode. I think it could have easily been a main event. But I'm glad that they that they kind of ran it the way they did because we started the season with an incredible fight. There was fire, there was damage. And the Hydra Endgame fight was kind of a snooze compared to that one. And I feel like it would be kind of, I don't know, anticlimactic to run... Hydra Endgame is your first fight out of the gate and kind of, I don't know, slightly boring. Um, but yeah, Sawblaze, Minotaur, yeah. incredible, incredible fight. I'm like noticing, I don't know if this is, obviously we don't have a lot of data to go on, but it seems like some of the bots are having drive issues already. Either it's because of the floor or because now they have longer forks and they're getting caught in like the the um, uh, kill saw openings which i've heard are now wider to like accommodate for the sparks which they didn't like alert people of ahead of time apparently so like it looked like people were getting caught up on those but it, it seemed like a number of bots who normally have pretty good drives are uh were kind of slow and awkward like thinking about endgame a little bit pain train i don't know i don't know uh, what might have been going on I mean, it, it is also the first fight of the season for all of these robots. So, you know, it, it, it can take one fight to kind of work out the gremlins, especially if you're running a new type of motor or something like that. I mean, like if you if you know, if you don't have a ton of time in a test box or, you know, you're not running the exact same configuration, there can be some kind of weird stuff, you know, in your first match. Um, but, you know, that's also kind of the experience gap there. I mean, Jameson Go fights all the time <laughs> and he knows his bot inside and out. And of course, like it, yeah. out, it was working great in its first match. I mean, that's just experience on display right there. Um, any other thoughts about uh, episode one before we go into uh, this week's snap decisions? It was weird seeing Al smile. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, listen, it brought him joy. You know, he loves he loves winning. That's good. You know, um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to see Al happy. How, how happy are you, Luke, that you are putting off the inevitable uh, for yet another week? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I was looking at switchback and listen, I, I have come around fully on switchback. I, I'm a switchback lover. All right. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, Greg and I, like we chat like fairly regularly and I appreciate every single time he texts me, you know? Um, and yeah, like his robot just looks a little awkward. I, you know, like I felt like it looked really long and like that drum was like the, the weapon on the front was just so chonky, but like you can kind of see like, I don't know, like the physics were a little bit weird. Um, so yeah, interesting concept. And I think like, it's very much like a version one of a concept. And I think it's going to be super cool to see what he brings back, you know, this next season. But yeah, it, it looked, it looked a little awkward, you know, like in, in the box itself. Um, am I am I the only one? You guys agree with me, right? I thought that it was actually, you know, the fact that he could keep the weapon, you know, positioned downward and still use it. Yeah. Like, that's pretty smart to me. And I think will come in handy for him, you know. The fact that he could start the match almost like a like a like a drum spinner. Yeah. Oriented in, in the front is actually, you know, pretty clever. Um, I wonder if you know, he's able to actually start a match with it in the rear with like a wedge in the front that like, you know, now we're talking. Um, but I think we'll just need to see what some of these other matchups look like. And if we're going to really kind of get to see like, you know, um, you know, it, it actually execute on its, its, its winning strategy. So uh, time will tell if you're going to get those stickers in you, Luke. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm almost positive that I will. I mean, I think that. I think an amazing matchup for Switchback would be huge. Like I would love to see Switchback in its kind of fully upright position, really hitting the body of huge. Um, yeah, I, I I think that it's yeah, it just it just seems a little top heavy, and like the physics are a little weird, but it's intriguing. It's certainly one of the most interesting rookie robots we've seen in a really long time. Um, yeah, so I I was yeah. I still have questions, but yeah, I, would say I like it. I think that part of it too is that they just need to dial in like operating that weapon and driving the bot. You know what I mean? Like um, saw blades still, if you have that saw in the wrong position, will tip back while you're driving it. If you don't use yeah. it properly, you know what I mean? And they haven't, they've had time to drive the bot and play with it, but not spinning at full speed all the time, you know, not in the battle box. So I think a lot of that's going to be team coordination and kind of getting that stuff together too. This was their first fight. I thought it was a really good first showing. Gruff's a tough bot to beat no matter what. Um, so applause to them. That was a good first fight. Good. Well said. Lastly, lastly, how scary is Uppercut? <laughs> yeah. 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 With this like glass ring. As soon as I saw Uppercut like make that first hit, I was like, oh, I didn't even think about it, but they're a contender. Like they're a straight up contender this year. That was brutal. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to be on yeah. the business end of that fister. <laughs> and talk about like <laughs> using the short corners to your advantage. Like they really like figured out the new geometry of the box and they were like, all right, let's use it. Let's get it in there. Let's get that strategy implemented. And they did it right away. It was awesome. 
All right, uh, friends, I think it's time. Uh, let's let's look forward to this Thursday and uh, and let's let's jump in with some some predictions here. Starting with our first fight of the night, Yeti versus Mad Catter. Who wants to go first? I'm happy to go first. All right, Chris. Yeti versus Mad Catter. Mad Catter. Mad Catter. Defend yourself, Chris. Why? Um. Well. We know that they uh, are a team that has a one-of-a-kind driver. The bot has been getting better and better and better every year. Um, the fact that it is already destined to be in, you know, the finals for this season, you know, paints a very accurate portrait of what's going to happen in this match. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Lindsay, your thoughts. Yeti versus Mad Catter. It's really hard to bet against Calvin Eba. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what configuration Mad Catter is going to come out with that might have some bearing on the outcome. Um, ah, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. This entire fight card is pretty hard to call. Um, but yeah, I, I am not going to bet against Calvin Eba, so I will go with Mad Catter. All right, we've got two predictions for Mad Catter. Kyle, your thoughts? Man, I am such a Yeti fan. I was so excited to hear that Greg was coming back. I'm so excited to see who he's added on to his team and who he's partnering with this time. The bot looks amazing, right down to the awesome artwork that they've added onto the bot. Um, I still have to give it to Mad Catter. I, after watching Calvin outdrive literally everyone at Norwalk Havoc in the final, it's just so hard to imagine anybody outdriving that guy with an untested bot. And at this point, Yeti's an untested bot. You know, like it's it's a brand new build, it's a brand new team in a lot of ways. And Mad Catter is dialed in. It's the same folks. They know what's up. Um, you know, we're looking at an improved bot rather than an all new build. And yeah, I got to give it to Mad Catter. I don't want to, but I got to. Interesting, Kyle. All right, let's stay with you for our next fight of the night. Defender versus Ribot. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is another one, man. Uh, I want it to be Defender. I really do because I think that design is really cool and I want more lifters. And grapplers and the arena they're they're some of my favorite bots to watch and um but wow yeah they're not gonna win this one <laughs> that's a really you know that's a hard one to call for defender they're just they're not gonna win this one all right uh chris your thoughts i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah for the same reasons that uh kyle had just you know brought up um, I'm, I'm also going to go with Ribot because it's tested. I do think that there is going to, um, you know, be some, 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 there's going to be a learning curve in there for the defender. How do you have like, you know, a, uh, a control bot that really doesn't have a lot of damage output, um, you know, compared to whiplash. So I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say Ribot, but I really do hope that defender finds its feet this season. And I hope that I'm wrong, even uh, in, in, in this week's episode. Uh, and Lindsay, your your thoughts. Defender versus Ribot. This is a hard one. Um, 
I agree. I often agree, Kyle, with all of your points, and I will echo exactly what you said there uh, to a T. I'm really, really excited to see Defender. Um, but David Jin is just like at I, – I feel like he is – he's had – so much practice lately with Norwalk, I feel like, and he's just like on fire. Um, and I think that it probably his driving has improved, I don't know, tenfold since, you know, Ribot's first debut. And so I, I feel like that's really going to count for something. Um, and so I'm going to go with Ribot, even though I, I would love to see Defender like get a big, you know, chunk out of uh, that frog and drive it around and push it into the screws and, and whatnot. Like, I think that'd be so fun. Um, so I'm pulling for that, but I will go with Ribot. And also, I love Ribot. I'm not trying to dunk on Ribot, um, but yeah. No, and Lindsay, like, to Defender's credit, the fact that the that they decided to pair them against a bot like Ribot in their first fight of the season, it's like, all right, they obviously have some faith in this bot. They think it's going to do well. You wouldn't put them up against Ribot like that unless you thought they were going to be able to do well. That's quite a test, you know, to start off with. Yeah, totally, totally. Lindsay, let's stay with you for Hijinx versus Mammoth, the neon owl that's very short versus the prehistoric pachyderm that's very tall. Your thoughts on this fight? It's going to come down to just height. Like, the, I don't know. Is Mammoth, like, at the right height where it can use its little yeeter and get, uh, like, a little um, part of hijinks and flip it? Like, if that, all, if all those heights come together, then I think that this is Mammoth's that they could actually win. But, you know, a lot of things are going to have to go right for them to pull it off. Whereas hijinks, you know, really just has to spin and probably eat away at some of its wheels and whatnot. So I'm going to go with hijinks, um, but I could see a realm in which Mammoth wins. Okay, hijinks. Chris, your thoughts on this fight? Hijinks versus Mammoth, who do you think is going to win? Just, I mean, it very well could be that, you know, that tactic of like the bully, you know, who would put their hand on your head while you can't swing past their arm's reach. <laughs> you know, I, I I know that Mammoth does have those two long forks that it uses uh, on the front. I think that those are going to come into play. Now the question is, like, will, like, hijinks end up, like, shanking some of that, you know, one-inch steel tubing that, uh, that Mammoth is comprised of and, and potentially cause some damage to either their weapon or to their overall assembly? I, um... Also think that maybe there's a chance that we'll see hijinks maybe clip a wheel. That'd be kind of cool to watch. But, uh, you know, I think that with those long forks, Mammoth might actually be able to kind of pin hijinks. And once that starts happening, uh, you know, it's going to be just kind of like juggling hijinks up against a wall or, or eating it up onto uh, maybe the shelf or something. So I'm going to go Mammoth. Okay. Kyle, your thoughts. Hijinks versus Mammoth? I, I just, I cannot see Mammoth winning this. I, I am totally confused, uh, by some of, some of you guys' thoughts on how this is going to go. Like, Mammoth is, is sticks made of chromoly steel. Like, it's, uh, you can't put too much armor on the thing or it doesn't do the Mammoth thing. Uh, that's a big old horizontal and, 
you know that Orion and Jen worked their butts off to make that thing more reliable, more powerful, more everything this year. Um, it's gonna tear Mammoth up. It's gonna tear the the wheels off. It's gonna tear the bits off. It's horizontals are the wrong thing for that bot, and it's just not gonna go well for them. Okay. Kyle, let's stay with you. I feel like you're uh, my uh, my resident Florida expert. You know, it's a battle of the Floridians. Uh, Kraken versus Rotator next. Your thoughts on this fight? Uh, first of all, everybody wins with this fight. This fight is going to be awesome. Two of the best bots in the in the entire tournament, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they, they know each other extremely well. Two very good drivers. Two bots that are matched up for each other very well right like rotator can fit right inside that mammoth mouth real well and the sparks that we're going to get with rotator going off of that front wedge of uh of kraken is going to be awesome um i i want to give it to kraken so i am going to i am probably wrong but i want to give it to kraken and I want to believe, so I'm going to to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to give it to Matt Spurk and the Kraken team. I want him to win this. I really do. Good. All right, Kraken. Uh, Lindsay, you're up. Uh, Kraken versus Rotator. Rotator. I supremely want Kraken to win this. Uh, exactly. <laughs> right on, Kyle. Um, and I know that both of these bots don't die, so I... I heavily predict this is going to go to a judge's decision. And I feel like at that point it comes down to damage. And because of that, it will likely go to rotator. Oh, interesting. Rotator with a, ju a judge's decision. Okay. And Chris, uh, your thoughts, Kraken versus rotator. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Lindsay. I think a lot of it has to do with what configuration um, we're going to see in rotator. Uh, you know, is it going to be exclusively like this undercutter? Is it going to be both? Is it going to so? You know, if it's if it's how I think it might play out, I think I would give this to Rotator, and I think it will come down to damage. Um, however, you know, you, you never know with with Kraken. It, we we see it get better every season, um, and it's really starting to dial in on that that scoop and crush. So, uh, who knows? Okay. Chris, let's stay with you. Uh, it's the battle of the cutest bots in uh, in the field. Rusty versus Blip. You're going to go to me first on this one, huh? Yeah, of course. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, we have the um, one of the most favorited uh, fan bots of all time versus a, uh, a highly speculative and untested flipping mechanism uh, that also is quite adorable. Um, oh my goodness. I don't know why, but I'm going to just go with Blip. Okay. Blip. Untested, but Chris is going for it. Kyle, your thoughts. Rusty versus Blip? Yeah. Um... I gotta give it to Blip. Ooh. I I love Dave. Who doesn't like Dave? Um, but I have I have some suspicions that uh, like I remember when Dave was on our show, he was talking about like the wiring in the original Rusty and how most people color coordinate their wiring. 
and he doesn't, and that his wiring is more freeform. And I know this was a, a new build for him, and I know it was done rather quickly. I can't imagine that bot's working all the way it's supposed to in their first fight. And I know Blip was working because they tested that thing to the nails. We watched that whole testing thing. They released all those really well-produced, high-res videos of that thing. It's got to go to Blip. Okay. Uh, and Lindsay, your thoughts, Rusty versus Blip? This is probably the strangest matchup I could possibly think of. Like, I don't, I don't know. It seems like it's going to be two action figures that kind of like mash against each other. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know how it's going to be able, Blip is going to be able to use its weapon against Rusty. I don't think Rusty's weapon is going to be able to incapacitate Blip by any means. I really have no freaking idea what is going to happen. Um, but I will go with Rusty. Whoa. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know, but I don't, I, I feel like maybe I just don't understand how Blip's weapon works enough yet to be able to envision how it would like scoop up this weird tracked like bot like Rusty. Like, I just don't know how it's going to work. And so I I can clearly see Rusty's hammer, like, chisel away at, at Blip, you know, a whole bunch of times. So I think it will come down to that. But I don't freaking know. Although, yeah, I don't know. Blip could get it on its side. And then that's probably the end for Rusty. So what do I know? I'm going to say Rusty because uh, I'm going to be chaotic. Okay, I love I love it when Lindsay's chaotic. This is good. Um, Lindsay, all right, we're going to stay with you. Uh, we're also going to stay in the Aaron Hill kind of uh, universe with Tantrum, the orange puncher bot, versus Malice, Bunny Sariel and Malice. Your thoughts on this fight? Uh, after calling the Sawblaze versus Tantrum match last year for Sawblaze and so confidently doing so, I don't know that I can ever... Uh, vote against Tantrum ever again because they proved me so very wrong. So I'm going to say Tantrum. Right, Tantrum. Uh, Chris, your thoughts? Tantrum versus Malice? Yeah, I mean, we saw almost a, a Cinderella season for Tantrum last year, and I'm going, uh, you know, Tantrum's on, like, my fave five, I think, now. So you're going to see me. Uh, it doesn't really matter what the matchup is for the rest of the season excluding maybe a few different pairings, but I'm, I'm, I'm tantrum all the way. All right. Tantrum all the way. Kyle, are you also tantrum all the way? I'd love to get your thoughts. These are two apex predators, man. I mean, um, you know, that both these bots had really good seasons. We saw some great hits from both of these bots, but man, tantrum can take those big hits and just keep on dishing them out. The thing is a tank. It does not die. I got to give it to them. All right. And Kyle, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the main event, Bloodsport versus Whiplash. Your prediction here. Yeah. Awesome main event. I'm really excited about this. Um, I have to give it to Whiplash. I love Bloodsport. Whiplash is designed to take on powerful horizontals. Um, Now, they weren't for a while, but they are now. And uh, Whiplash is, it's fast, it's athletic, it's, it can take care of anything that Bloodsport dishes out. I gotta give it to Whiplash. Mm, okay. Lindsay, your thoughts on the main event? 
I think that Bloodsport has a good chance of beating just about any robot that's out there. But I think that Whiplash is not one of them. I see this going to Whiplash. I don't think that they're going to give Bloodsport the chance to do what Bloodsport does. And Whiplash is one of the few bots I think that can successfully execute it, execute that plan. And Chris, your thoughts? Yep, I think Whiplash has the rock, paper, scissors of this. Um, you know, there's there's few matches, you know, matchups against Bloodsport where you can really just say that, uh, but this is one of them. Very good. All right, uh, Chris, and your thoughts on the uh, the YouTube exclusive fight. This one's just for uh, for bragging rights. Uh, Sub-Zero versus Shatter. I know these are two of your favorite robots um, in the field. Uh, which one do you think is going to come out on top? Um, I'm going to go with uh, my friend Logan and Sub-Zero. All right, Sub-Zero. Kyle, your thoughts? I love that you uh, that I didn't have to call you out for doing the uh, YouTube exclusive this time. Um, I'm glad that we were just including it. That makes me happy. <laughs> um, but man, why is this a YouTube exclusive? These are two top notch bots, right? Like, I I'm excited. I I think this is going to be a great fight. And it, uh, the last YouTube exclusive was also a pretty good fight. It was one of those like, wow, that could have totally been in an episode. Um, so yeah, I think I hope this fight's good. There's there's no reason to think that it won't be. Yeah. Um I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say sub zero. Wow. Okay. Um Kyle, uh, Lindsay before before I get to you, Kyle, uh I I also thought about this. I was like, how come the jackpot deadlift fight is a YouTube exclusive, right? And then I thought to myself, oh, it's actually brilliant. They're probably running what would have been the basement fight inside of the main show, but like doing like a pretty cool wrap around it, but then running like a really good fight for YouTube because they're trying to expand their audience and they don't have like location restrictions or anything like that for YouTube so they can get, you know, this pretty great, amazing fan engagement every week while the show's on the air. Oh my gosh, that's that's smart. That's really smart. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, I can't take any credit for it. I hope that's what the the, the plan is, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll find out this week when we finally see this thing air. I guess yeah. um, if like last week was a fluke, or if if like you know, because what did Aaron say? He said that the, there were less than ten fights that weren't good this year, or yeah. something like that. Like, um, so yeah, I mean. Maybe. I hope so. That would be sick. Yeah. All right, Lindsay, take us home. Uh, Sub-Zero versus Shatter, YouTube exclusive. Your thoughts on this fight. What uh, what, what do you predict? IBMers unite! Go Sub-Zero. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, that wraps up this week's edition of Snap Decisions. Look for our post on Facebook probably Wednesday to send us your uh, your predictions and get in on all of the action. After the break, our interview with the team behind Captain Shredderator, brought to you by Max Amps. The following interview is brought to you by Max Amps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, 
and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. This week on the podcast, we have two very special first-time guests, Brian Nave and his son Nick from Captain Shredderator. The Naves are one of the original families from BattleBots, having competed on the original run of the show as well as every season of the reboot. For two decades now, the team has championed the full-body spinner and early Apex design that guarantees big hits and lots of damage. Outside of BattleBots, the team has also competed in China on King of Bots with Shredderator Tiger Claw, which took home fourth place in 2018. We're catching up with Brian and Nick, fresh off the biggest upset of Season 6 so far with a huge win over Tombstone. Uh, we're looking forward, to get in, looking forward to getting into all things Captain Shredderator in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Brian and Nick. Hey, thanks. Um, so what we like to do when we have two guests on is we like to have you guys introduce each other and tell us, uh, you know, about who the other person is, what they do and what they do on the team. So, um, Brian, could you introduce your son, Nick? Tell us about Nick. Tell us about what he does and tell us about what he does on the team. All right. Well, Nick's, uh, been actually involved in the robots for a long time. He actually had an ant weight when I think, what, were you six years old or something like that? He drove uh, the ant weight. He's been involved. He went with me to China when we did King of Bots, fell in love with China, and now lives there. But he comes back to uh, mix in with us every once in a while when we're doing the robot stuff. I'm trying to trying to train him to be the driver, but he's got a couple of years and a little more practice before he's going to do that. Did uh, Robot Wars. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. 2002. He was on Nickelodeon. He was on Robot Wars. And we did a bunch of local shows and stuff, too. All right, so Nick, can you introduce us to Brian? <laughs> this here is the Brian Nave. Been doing combat robotics for 20 years. Electrical engineer by trade. He's uh, got his own giant nut. He's, he's uh, let's see, two super heavyweight robots, two heavyweights, one middleweight, two lightweights. I think that's right. I don't even know. I can't even count them all now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Super Heavyweight does have its own giant nut for most aggressive robot back in 2002. But lately, we just compete under the single robot Captain Shredderator on BattleBots now. And uh, yeah, we just beat Tombstone. So let's go. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> And Nick, you said uh, you said you live in China. That's super interesting. So, um, how long have you lived there, and what do you do there? Uh, yeah, I do live in China. I've been there since. Well, I started going there in 2018 for King of Bots, and I spent half the year there in 2018. Then I moved there in 2019, and I've been there since. And uh, I. I drink a lot of alcohol there. <laughs> he actually came back to the U.S. just to do BattleBots and has been trapped here ever since with all this COVID stuff going on. And he hasn't been able to get a visa to go back. So, Oh, yeah. I'm stuck. So he's paying for an apartment over there and living here. Correct. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. Luckily, apartments in China aren't very expensive. Yeah. Well, you got to count them while you can, right? Um, all right, so let's get into the kind of history of the sport. So, um, so how did you get started in combat robotics? What was your first kind of introduction to this sport? 
Well, I watched it way back when. I guess it was 1999 I first saw it on TV, and I loved Mahler. I thought, that's a great idea. It was crazy. It jumped all over the place, but it was horrible. It was terrible. I don't even think it ever won a fight, but I loved it anyway. And I thought, well, full body spinner is what I want to do, but I think I can do it better. So that's what I strove out to do. My first design was a full body spinner. Um, actually, the first design had the conical shape, had the angled sh- shape, but nobody could build the shell like that. So I had to build a hockey puck uh, full body spinner first. So that's why that design came to be. And then as the manufacturing process got better and I found better businesses, we were able to go back to the conical, uh, which was the original design. Uh, But so 1999, I guess 2000, I went there with uh, the robot called Frisbee, P-H-R-I-Z-B-E-E. It was a heavyweight. And I had another robot that we just, we used it as a practice robot. It was called Dispose All. That was going to be the original name for the, for the spinner because it was like a garbage disposal with teeth on it and stuff. But uh, I made Disposal to be a practice robot to drive around, and Nicholas used to ride on the back of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it had a little area where he could, like, kneel down on it, and I'd drive him around. Or he'd get in one of his little uh, Power Wheels cars, and we would have crash him up races where he would drive his Power Wheels, and I'd drive the robot, and we drove it all around. And so that's how I practiced driving. It was a little two-wheel drive robot. It was nothing. It had some little um, like flip scoop things that my teammate Ken designed that as you rode up over them, they would flip up and high center you. It was super basic, super simple. Uh, went to Battle Boss the first year. It was season three, I think, of the original Comedy Central series. Um, <laughs> the first match we had disposal. I entered them both since I had them. And I'd put a, a helicopter gyro in it. And it was made so it could drive upside down and right side up. Well, guess what? Helicopter gyros are additive if you flip them over. (laughs) So instead of canceling out the spin, it added to it. So it got flipped over and went into the spin of death, where the faster it spun, the faster it wanted to spin. I couldn't really control it. So it lost horribly, embarrassingly so. So, all right. So then we got Frisbee. Frisbee's going to go and tear everybody up. I'd been driving it for months and months running it into curbs, smashing into things, driving it all over. So it was going to do great. We put it in the arena, set it down, go out there, turn it on. Nothing. Just sits. Never moves, never does anything. They turn the lights on. You know, back then you didn't get a second chance. They turn it on. The other robot was, I think it was called the Killer Bee. These guys were RC uh, car driver experts, and they had a super fast robot, and they zoom over. And they're smashing and bashing and pushing me into the walls and throwing it all over the place. And, you know, I think it pretty much went the whole three minutes and I never, ever, ever moved. And they spent all night. They won the match, of course. And they spent all night long into the next day repairing their robot. And my robot never even never moved. There's nothing wrong with it either. I take it out of the box. We put it outside right after that. It starts up, runs fine. Never figured out why it didn't work. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, even not working, the robot still pretty much destroyed them. The robots were made out of tinfoil back in those days. So, <laughs> I mean, he might have destroyed himself just hitting the wall. Who knows? But anyway, so nevertheless, we powered on through that. And uh, season five of the reboot was the really the first year we did, did decently good. Uh, we beat the lightweight champion that year with Code Black, uh, beat Ziggo, which was a full body spinner, another one of the robots I originally loved. Yeah. And we also beat Toro, which was the super heavyweight champion of that year with uh, Frisbee Ultimate. 
and then Fuzzy beat me with Frisbee Ultimate, which was a shame. It was interesting. I had my, uh, I was really scramping to, to save weight on that thing. 340 pounds wasn't quite enough, I guess. So my battery hold down plate on the top, I made it out of Lexan. And I noticed it was getting a little cracked. Well, hit hit uh, his robot, it bounced up. The Lexan plate broke and the battery shifted up just enough for the shell to come around and unplug all the batteries. So, uh. so I had one side of the drive that would work and... Yeah, so yeah, I had a lot of failures at the beginning where, where the battery uh, wires, I routed them up through the top because there's nowhere else to go. And it wasn't the only fight where that routing messed me up. We route them differently these days. But <laughs> So I guess that's where it all started. You know, then BattleBots died out for a while and got rebooted on ABC. I did uh, the Robot Fighting League in the interim years. You know, we tried to, we tried to keep the robot fighting alive for years and years. I had an event here called Battle Beach, and there was steel conflict in California and mech wars up in Minnesota. And we decided, we all sat down one year and decided we were going to do the Triangle Series Nationals because, you know, it was a triangle. And uh, so whoever competed in our event, I think if they got first, second, or third, then they qualified for a free admission to the Triangle Series Nationals up in Minnesota with uh, Charles Arnold's arena with the, uh, let's see what, I can't remember the name of the group that he built that for. But anyway, so we had the Triangle Series Nationals up there. Um, and then that arena actually got sold to Bill Calkins for, I think, 5000 bucks, And that's what he made the Robo Games arena with. So originally that was our arena for the Triangle Series Nationals. I mean, there's so, you know, the story just weaves around so much. I mean, there's so much interplay between, I used to go to every single event, uh, California, Texas, North Carolina. I went to all of them trying to, you know, keep everything alive and keep it going. And uh, we got a lot of experience and, you know, Shredderator, I think what I built that in 2001, I think. And the first event was in North Carolina and I built it with what they called D-Pack motors, which were... Uh, uh, they were. I don't think they were starter motors. I think they were motors for hydraulic motors. But anyway, they were made for 12 volts, and they were so inefficient. They pulled just horrendous current when they started up. Nothing could really run them very well. But I remember in North Carolina, <laughs> I put it in there, and it spun up good, but it wouldn't really drive because as soon as it tried to drive, it would trip out the speed controllers. But, you know, people self-destructed against it anyway. They would just run into it and run in it and run into it until it destroyed themselves. And we ended up doing pretty good in that. I think that's the event where Nicholas got first place with his ant weight, which was PBSS, which stands for Pushy Bots Still Stink. S suck. Stink. Suck. Because <laughs> I hated Pushy Bots all, all along. And, you know, that was the big shtick back then. You know, I would always go, spinners rule, you know, and everybody would go, spinners suck. And and uh, it was just, to me, it was a big game. I thought it was fun. And and uh, so that was uh, that was kind of the theme for that one. So I made a robot called Pushy Bot Still Suck. And he actually got first place with an ant weight. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so full body spinners were like a really dominant design in the sport's earliest years. Um, can you tell us what you like find the most interesting about the des that design now that you've been building these for so long? Like what what still fascinates you about that design? Well, they were the Apex Predator for so long because <clears throat> they had the most 
uh, I don't know, weapon to weight efficiency, I guess. Because your armor was also your weapon, you didn't have to split your weight between your armor and your weapon. And you spun the most weight out of any other weapon, and nobody could really get to it. And like I said, the robots, we, my robot was initially built out of crap I found in a junkyard. Most everybody else's was too. You know, we used uh, wheelchair motors and car batteries, and they were all junk. And they came apart like junk. And uh, so the full body spinner back then spun a lot of weight, had a lot of power. And I was always like really, really intent on packing the most into the least amount of space. So I always made my robot super tiny with no space for wires, <laughs> which people still grumble about to this day. But I mean, there's no there's no space at all in it. So I had the most weight possible spinning of anybody at the time. And, uh, you know, that's that's what made it great for me, because it was what I considered efficient, you know, no wasted space, no wasted movement, no wasted anything. If it's going to move, it's going to hit you. If it's going to be on the outside of the robot, it's going to be armor. So, um, and back then, nobody had AR plate. Nobody had lithium batteries. Nobody had brushless motors. So, you know, it was, it was, it was way, it was 20 years ahead of its time because people are now just starting to catch up to the design and the destructiveness. And it was built back in 2001. Um, So you've competed in the reboot now for every season of the reboot, joining just five other robots that have done the same. Hypershock, Lockjaw, Whiplash, Tombstone, uh, Witch Doctor. You're absolutely one of the most recognizable bots in the field. Um, but we got to ask. So you've got a win-loss record, which now stands at 5 and 12. So... Hey! <laughs> hey! Um, so BattleBots keeps inviting you back. What do you think the appeal is for Captain Shredderator at BattleBots? Why do they keep inviting you back with that win-loss record? Well, you might have said it right at the, at the very beginning, you know, so it's one of the most recognizable robots out there. And you know what we always say, win or lose, but be spectacular. And we're always spectacular, even when we're losing. Uh, they, you know, they say, people always say, well, why don't you change it? Why don't you come with a different robot? Well, BattleBots wants a certain mixture of robots. They want certain robots to be there, and they invite us back because we're a full-body spinner. Well, they invite us back because we're red, white, and blue. You know, so we're kind of locked into that. Yeah, I would love to do something different, and we're we're trying to add some features and stuff to make it not just a full-body spinner. But, you know, we're invited back because we put on a great show and because we are what we are. So you're not going to pull, uh, you know, a Bite Force or Lockjaw where you're just going to come with a completely different design next year or anything like that? Well, we've tossed an idea out to him for a completely different design, but it would be another robot, yeah. not not calling something that wasn't Shredderator Shredderator, because Shredderator is iconic and it'll always be what it is. So if we have another robot, if we get up enough gumption and enough people interested in building it, it'll have a different name. And <laughs> we actually want to call it Florida Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You see, all of, our robot, all of our robots have like a, a story behind them. I mean, if you ever heard the Code Black story, I can't tell you now because I haven't had enough to drink tonight, but <laughs> every robot has a story. Um, that's the way all robots used to be until now. Uh, so there's a story behind Florida Man, and it would be a little bit crazy. What is, like, what are the basic design elements of Florida Man? Can you reveal that to us? I'm very curious with that name. Well, I'm going to try to... Well, I don't know. There's a whole lot of different 
strings in my mind of thought processes as I go. And who knows what it'll end up being, but I'd like to be able to share drivetrains between the two. So, which means we might need to change the drivetrain shredderator a little bit, but essentially I want to make a round robot that looks like a face that has, you remember my robot Bamblance? It was all uh, cast urethane. Well, it's going to be similar to Bamblance in that it would have an arm that came off the back of it, but the arms are actually going to look like arms. So we'll have the urethane will be cast in the shape of arms. And in the front, there'll be hands, and the hands will be holding on to a weapons platform. And so there'll be a big face with goofy eyes and maybe a tongue hanging out and big, goofy, muscly arms, maybe with short-sleeved denim shirt holding the <laughs> weapons platform in front of it. And that's going to be Florida, man. Now, whether we make it or not, you know, it all depends on, you know, how much help I can get because I'm pretty lazy these days. But I do know how to pour urethane. I do know how to screw screw. So, you never know. <laughs> well, I am already a fan of this design concept and I fully support this idea. That sounds awesome. <laughs> they, might not let us, they might not let us call it Florida, man, but we'll see. <laughs> I sure hope they do. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So this brings me to a question. I, like, I'm curious about your characters on the show, right? Of... Everybody on this show, you know, there was a, a big deal made out in the last episode about, um, you know, Jake being the villain and that getting passed on from from Ray. Uh, I feel like, especially in the recent seasons, you know, Ray hasn't really been playing a character as much as he was in the first two seasons. But but you guys, I do feel like, you know, you have a character on BattleBots. Uh, how close is that character to your real personalities, like you and Nick? How how close is the the uh, the BattleBots Nick and Brian to real life Nick and Brian? Well, I, I guess I don't really know how you're perceiving me through the screen because you know I look at myself through the window of myself. You know, uh, I remember back in the old days when we did BattleBots, I tried to play the bad guy. Oh, I'm going to tear your robot up. You know, we're going to kill you. Spinner's rule, blah, blah, blah. But people couldn't separate that persona from real life. And we know I would go to all the events around the country and people would initially approach me and go, oh, he's a jerk on TV. He's a jerk in real life. And it was just, it was just like you say, a persona on TV. You know, when I went to um, Robot Wars, I did the, the wrestling thing, the thing that Martin Mason does now. I go, let me tell you, brother, let me tell you something about my robot, you know, and I was getting in their face and doing whatever. But everybody there knew it was an act because everybody dressed up in goofy costumes. I mean, heck, we had a we had a red, white and blue sequin Uncle Sam outfit. You can't be real serious <laughs> with that with a big giant hat. I don't know if you've seen the pictures online or not. but I have, yes. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> we were playing a character. They knew it was a character, but people weren't able to really separate that in the U.S. And, you know, I kind of got tired of people initially approaching me kind of angrily. And so I kind of let all that go. And to be quite honest with you, the the Captain Shredderator thing, I was trying to hook into Captain America. Yeah. Because that, that was the year that that movie came out. And I thought, well, it looks like Captain America's shield. You know, let's see if we can hook into some of the excitement of Captain America. And somehow or another, it got morphed into this red, white, and blue America. You know, so we just kind of had to go with it because that's what, you know, BattleBots wanted. That's what the fans wanted. And we kind of went with it. But, you know, I wouldn't say that I run around in a four-wheel drive truck and a shotgun yelling America with flags on the back of my truck or nothing. I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of a regular guy. I, <laughs> he does he does drive a four-wheel drive truck. That's true. But he doesn't have a shotgun in it. Not in it. And no flags <laughs> in it either. So. 
<laughs> You'll never see the shotgun, sir. You won't see that. <laughs> they don't call it a concealed weapons permit for nothing. Uh, all right. I'm going to uh, pass you off to Chris for some fan questions, but I had a really good time talking to you guys. Yeah, you too. It was good talking to you. All right. Uh, I'm going to kick this over to uh, we have a question from Drew Monteith who writes, congratulations, first of all, on the win, Brian. Out of curiosity, do you think the match would have had the same outcome if Tombstone used one of its solid S7 blades rather than the aluminum bar with the hardened inserts? Yes, it would have had a different outcome. Would have also had a different outcome if I'd used a different shell. Would have had a different outcome if I'd used different motors. Would have had a different outcome if we used a different radio. Of course it would have a different outcome. Uh, you know, these these questions I find a little bit off-putting because everybody tries their best to choose what's best for the situation. And yeah, it doesn't always work out. And, you know, to second guess the choices is really counterproductive because... Of course, you, hindsight's twenty twenty. You don't know until you try it. Right. You know, he thought the titanium bar with the sharp edges on it were going to be the bomb diggity. And, you know, and we looked at those sharp edges and said, well, we're going to chip those edges off and have them skid off our shell. So, you know, they think one thing, we think the other. And you can <laughs> you can only change your configuration for so long. Sooner or later, you got to go in the arena and fight. Yeah. I Well, I, out of just like looking ahead at some of the questions from some of our fans, like, you know, there's going to be some questions about, you know, some of those uh, those decisions that you made. So let's let's kind of reflect on like what what was your process of thinking? You know, did, did you know ahead of time about like what what bar he was choosing or, um, you know, you know, what what mode of thinking were you in when you were getting into the match and preparing Captain Schroederator to fight Tombstone? Well, it didn't really matter to us what bar he was going to use. Our strategy was going to have to be the same. Uh, yeah. We wanted to make sure that the angle was low enough where his blade tip wasn't going to catch the bottom edge of our shell, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. The whole idea was to be a continuous circular wedge because uh, horizontal spinners hate wedges. I hate wedges, and all I want to do is just be a lower wedge. He doesn't try to wedge anybody. He wasn't going to put a wedge on the back of his robot. That's not how he rolls. But the whole idea behind this conical shell is to do exactly what it did was to deflect horizontal energy up and, you know, it worked. So any bar he used was going to do exactly the same thing. Now, maybe it wouldn't have broke and maybe his robot wouldn't have failed, but I also don't think it would have helped him any. You saw what happened every time he hit Shredderator, he just bounced up in the air. It didn't matter if we were spinning or not spinning. Sooner or later, he was going to knock himself to pieces using his own energy. Now, sure, I'd love to have been spinning and tore his wheels off and done all that. But, you know, we've killed ourselves with our own energy plenty of times, bouncing off of people's wedges. And now it's I guess it's our turn to be the wedge. <laughs> and, and I think that you did a really good job of kind of summarizing, you know, um, going into the fight that, you know, it's, it is a rock, paper, scissors match. And that is exactly right with, with, a, with a continuous... Um, you know, wedge around your entire bot, essentially, you are the rock to those scissors. Yeah. And I think I said that before the match also. Yeah. And that was the strategy, you know, for the last seven years, <laughs> ever since I made those. Ever, well, actually, when I first initially thought of this design, it had a conical shell. I wasn't able to make it until like five or six years ago. Uh, but the whole idea was to take, uh, well, back then there weren't any vertical spinners because you didn't have enough motor and enough battery to get vertical plates spinning fast enough to do any damage so 
uh, you know, everything was horizontal, horizontal. Now with the power density and batteries and motors, they can get more vertical power. But, you know, maybe next year we have an answer for that too. Who knows? But the whole idea behind uh, the conical shell was for robots like Megabyte and Tombstone and all the other horizontals that were the big hitters of the day 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Did I say 20 years ago? Yeah, 20 years ago. <laughs> I got, a, I got a few questions here from uh, BattleBot superfan Alexander Archer. Um, so Alex starts by saying, you guys just took down Tombstone, which is obviously one of the more feared bots in, in the competition and a former champion. Do you think that this um, basically solidifies your chances of making it into the top 32 this season? You know, we always go every year thinking that we're going to be undefeated, and then something dumb happens. Um, at the this time of this year, with this wind behind us, we felt pretty good with the the wind in our sails. Uh, but I never lose sight of the fact that it's a rock, paper, scissors, and everything depends on the luck of the draw. Mm. Um, if we get matched up with the super wedge bot, we're probably going to lose. You know, if we get matched up with a bunch of vertical side robots, maybe we're going to win. You know, uh, it's all the luck of the draw. And sometimes that's not really luck. <laughs> right, right. So here's a, a you know, a, um, a design question from Alex. Why doesn't Shredderator have a self-writing pole like a Gigabyte or Bloodsport? Because then it would be like Gigabyte or Bloodsport. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great answer. <laughs> now, to, to be quite honest with you, we have a, if you want to get into the technicalities of it, one, we've got a live axle instead of a dead axle. So I did actually design the whole thing with a bearing mount and everything in the axle that can go through the live axle. And I could put a bar on it if I wanted to. But how many times have you seen Megabyte win a match using that self-writer? Yeah. Once. How many times have you seen him lose because of the self-writer? I've seen him lose at least two or three times because that bar got stuck on something and trapped him. I've seen him maybe win one match using the self-writer, maybe two over the last 15 years. So the odds of winning versus the odds of losing using that mask is not even close to worth wasting the weight and complexity of having it, in my opinion. Plus, I think it looks like crap. Just look at the last fight they had against Uppercut. They did get knocked upside down, and they did use the pole to self-write. And as soon as they self-righted, they tried to spin up full throttle, and you could see their directional lights inside spinning around faster than the shell was spinning. That meant that once they self-righted, they had no traction and they just spun up. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing as not you know, self-righting. They were immobilizing themselves, essentially, and they just... Yeah, you just can't escape the fact with a full-body spinner, if you're not spinning, you're not winning. There's no way to win if you're not spinning. So if you can concentrate on spinning, don't waste time thinking about trying to flip yourself back over. Because if you're spinning, you're not going to flip over. If you're spinning, if you keep spinning, sooner or later, something's going to break. Hopefully it's on them. Unfortunately, it not always is. But, um, you know, the quick short answer to that is I don't think it's worth the effort. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I guess that's it. I just don't think it's worth the effort. I'll, Plus it looks dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, wait, maybe I can hang an American flag off it. That'd Ooh. be something. I that. <laughs> Shot fired. Damn, now I'm going to have to think about 
about it. Um, so Alex, uh, you know, wants to know, you know, basically after after this fight and seeing its performance against uh, Tombstone, would you say that the um, uh, some of those reliability issues that you've experienced in the past are, are finally resolved? <laughs> oh, sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that, should I? You know, spoilers. <laughs> no, I mean, you saw it stop spinning in that match, right? It quit spinning, just like it always quit spinning, and for a completely different reason than ever before. You know, we replaced the original spin motors. We had two uh, 48 volt mags when we ran in China, 48 volt amp flows. And then last season of BattleBots, we had 24 volt mags in series at 48 volts, and they burned up just like the 48 volt ones did for a different reason. But <clears throat> so this year we had four Maytech. 6396s, uh, all custom made onto single shafts on each side. So two motors on a single shaft, all custom done up. And, you know, they didn't burn up, <laughs> but something else did. You know, that match, the weirdest thing happened. You know, it's got four speed controllers, one for each motor. <clears throat> Only one radio, of course. So the signal wire for the, for the spinner speed controllers have to be routed somewhere. It just happened to be routed by the one speed controller that got so hot it melted it. Hmm. So killed our uh, signal wire going to our spin controllers. It's always something that you never, ever, ever have in testing, and you never guess it's going to do that. So I would love to say that, you know, every year we work on reliability, work on reliability, and, you know, just something else stupid happens. Alex's uh, last question was: Now that you um, you essentially took down a legend, do you think that some of the other competitors, uh, you know, are are taking uh, Captain Shredderator, you know, seriously as a as a giant nut contender? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, like I say, I, I always think we're a giant nut contender. I always think we're going to win. And if Captain Shredder would work reliably, <clears throat> I think we have a good chance of winning the giant nut. Uh, I think we get a lot of the attitude like I'm seeing now that, oh, Tombstone had bad luck. Tombstone did this. Too. And nobody says, hey, you know what? Captain Shredderator went weapon to weapon multiple times and killed Tombstone. We killed their spin before they killed Lars. And I don't think we really get the credit for that. And I'm not sure that the builders at the time gave us the credit for it either, but I don't know. You know, I didn't really talk to a whole bunch of them at the time. Yeah. But, you know, it's a it's a tough crowd. <laughs> he doesn't even read the stuff you guys say on Reddit. I don't read any of that stuff. I do. And uh, none of you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing, we all live in our little bubbles, right? And... uh you know, I know fans have certain perceptions of robots, certain perceptions. I know the builders have certain perceptions of robots and peoples and stuff. And and none of it, or most of it, most none of it is true. Or it's very far off from reality. I mean, Ray was never a jerk. Jake has never been a jerk. You know, most of these people, in bad, it, they have a hard time making people into the evil guy because nobody is really evil. Yeah. You know, they have a hard time making robots you know, be infallible because none of them are infallible. And I don't think anybody, you know, contrary to what they say in the interviews to, you know, get everybody wound up. I don't think anybody actually believes that they're going to go undefeated 
and not have any trouble. <laughs> so, you know, this is the first match. We were actually the first fight of BattleBots the last, I think, three years in a row. This was no different. So we're sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting while they're going through all their production troubles. Hours upon hours upon hours. Sit and wait. Get ready. Nope, lights don't work. Sit down, wait. Okay, get ready. Nope, sound doesn't work. Sit down for at least three hours, I would say, before they finally got the match going. And so, you know, they have trouble with their equipment. We have trouble with the robots. Nothing ever goes the way you plan it to. And I think I've been doing it for so long, I just don't plan for greatness until greatness happens. If that makes any sense. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. <laughs> it will. All right, got a, I got a few questions from Joel Warren, um, who starts off with, first, congrats on the huge win. Hey! Uh, always cheering uh, for you guys to do well. Thank Re- you. Regarding Captain Shredderator's struggles the first few uh, seasons, would you say that the robot perhaps became a bit overcomplicated? No, it's actually one of the more simplest robots that... It's not the complexity that's killing it. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it is. I mean, it's more complex this year because we've got four speed controllers. Last year, we had a single contactor that spun two motors, and we still had issues. I mean, that's about as least complex as you can get. And we had issues with that. You know, we had a contactor that welded shut, and it spun so far, it ruined a whole set of batteries. And that, you know, none of this stuff's cheap. <laughs> so I don't think it's the complexity any more than anybody else's robot is complex. I, I don't understand why we have so much trouble. I, I feel like we look at everything. We look at all the wires. We look at the routing. We, and, it, and still we get crazy shit that happens. I don't get it. Curse. It's a curse. Joel goes on to ask, I, I understand that you need to implement new equipment and innovate as the sport moves forward. Though sometimes taking a step back and simplifying a few things can do it wonders as well. Yep, that's true. Everybody's got the answer. <laughs> I feel like yeah. we're, we're we're jumping back into got that. It. Got it all figured out. All right, we'll do that next time. Now, you know what? I go around and around with the same thing, thinking this, thinking that. The guys on the team do the same thing, thinking this, thinking that. And then the stuff you didn't think of happens anyway. And we're not the only team that happens to. I mean, if you watch the other robots, they have failures also, but we're all spinning shell you know when we stop spinning you yeah. can tell you know anything yeah. that happens to our robot the drive's been running for years we haven't really had any trouble with the drive you know and it's always been something with the shell and any little thing with all of those parts anything stops and that's the first thing you see is the shell shot the shell stops spinning so we can't mm-hmm. hide it you know like these saw robots their saw quits spinning and they still have their little hammer pounding thing or you know, these robots that are just boxes with little sticks on them to lift the other robots up. You know, their stick can quit working. They still drive around. You know, it's, you know, we're all. In in, Nor- in Norwalk, we call that aggressive tapping. <laughs> aggressive what? Aggressive tapping. Oh, when you have like a, when you have a, a, a yeah. hammer weapon, like with a, <laughs> a hammer saw or something that it, it's no longer spinning. Yeah. So you're just, you're just kind of basically tapping. Um, uh, fake it till you make it, I guess. Right. Yeah. I got a funny story about that, too, if you want to hear it. Of course. (laughs) I did a show called, uh, what was that? Robot Rivals? No. It was on uh, the Learning Channel way back when, uh, Robotica. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Robotica. So they had, I was building a robot for BattleBots at the time, which was a hydraulic crusher robot. Yeah, four wheel drive, four wheel steering. They have a name for that steering now. I can't remember what it is, but swerve drive. Yeah, something like that. So the wheels actually turned, all four wheels turned independently. Oh, I see. And um, so I, I built, I got the whole thing built. It was sponsored by Parker Hydraulics. So I got some good hydraulic stuff on it. And the hydraulics and everything are so heavy, you know, it turned out just being the frame and the claws. And I thought, you know what? A super, it was a super heavyweight. And I said, a super heavyweight spinner will just beat the shit out of this robot. So that's when I built Frisbee Ultimate. But I still had that frame and everything. And Robotica came on and they said, okay, you got to have a weapon. And the first part of the show is going to be a maze. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do that. And if, the, if you get through all that, if you beat all the contenders up till then, the last thing you'll have to do is a fight to the finish. And they'll put you on this big pedestal way up in the sky. And there's sparks, uh, spikes and fire and everything. on. Yay, yay. So we get there and, oh. First of all, they say a robot can be no more than 48 inches wide. So we made our robot 48 inches wide and it wouldn't fit through their maze. So they had to stop and they had to cut the maze out so the robot could fit through it. But anyway, we ran the maze and uh, we beat that robot. And then we had to do so. We had to, I don't even remember what all the things were. We had to go through, we had to do this. We did, we beat everybody, we beat everybody, we beat everybody. And we get to the fight to the finish. So they come around to do the interview for the fight to the finish. And they said, uh, what's your weapon? And I said, oh, we really don't have a weapon. They go, well, you got to have a weapon. It's a fight to the finish. And I said, oh, well, we've got, the f- we've got this right here. And I had a wiper motor that I had like a bicycle cable on it and a couple of maybe half-inch nuts on it. And I go, we got these flailing nuts of doom right here. So I had this wiper motor screwed to the front of the robot that spun these nuts around in the circle. And that's... The weapon for that robot. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap. So it's the same thing. So whenever I see a robot like that, I call them the flailing nuts of doom. <laughs> <laughs> token weapons. Token weapons. I So you touched on this already, but we had a question from uh, Curtis Honeycutt, who um, wanted to know what drew you to creating a fighting, uh, like a, a series of, of fighting full body spitter bots. So, you you know, you kind of mentioned that you had another design in the past and you said, hey, you know, what would really kick this thing's butt is a is a full body spinner. Like what what kind of kept you on course down that line as you as you continue to, um, you know, make new iterations of, of full body spinners? Well, you might be surprised, but we have had several different kinds of robots on the team. In fact, my teammate made the very first undercutter robot uh, code. Well, you made Chopper first, which was a middleweight, spun the blade on the ground. And then he made Code Black, which beat Ziggo the first year. So we had um, we had gas power, too. Yeah, that was one of our sponsor, too, is Partner Engines. So they gave us the engines for these things. The, the, The lightweight had a. I think a 95 cc engine and the heavyweight 120 cc two-stroke engine in it but you know it spun a blade right on the ground if you ever watch that old video on YouTube uh, Ziggo and Code Black you could actually see the blade skipping off the floor shooting up sparks and everything but that was the first undercutter and uh, we had two middleweights that we called the Florida Choppers because my friend was like into motorcycles so you, and we have bike week here and all that so he wanted loud pipes saved lives. He had stickers on it and he had a whole bunch of other stuff. He he came up with the phrase suck less. He always said that. He had a, he was a very colorful guy. He ended up dying 
few years ago of cancer, but uh, downer on that one. But anyway, so we had the undercutters. You know, I had that four-wheel drive, uh, four-wheel steering robot. We had the full-body spinners. We had PBSS. Center punch. Yeah, center punch was a all-urethane robot. We had... Uh, Bambalance. Bambalance was the all-urethane with the lifting arm. <laughs> I broke... You know, I figured, well, I weigh 200 and something pounds. I'm going to test this lifting arm out on me. Well, it broke. <laughs> but it's still... We still ended up fighting with it. Nicholas drove that for a while. So anyway, I guess the bottom line is we've had all kinds of different robots, not just the, the full-body spinner. Um, the full-body spinner for years and years and years was, of course, the most... Uh, destructive the most i don't know i guess successful. successful yeah of all the other ones i mean the other ones would win their matches too but uh not in such spectacular fashion yeah well you know BattleBots wants this style and this robot so that's kind of what's keeping us on it so i mean i'd like to build I, I, to be quite honest with you i'm a little bit tired of it because you can't really take it out in the backyard and play with it like some of these other robots you know, you can drive them around and lift up things and flip things and do whatever. And you can have fun with it all year long. I can't even test mine until come BattleBot time. So that's kind of why we want to build Florida Man. Cause it's, plus, it's funny. The most <laughs> yeah. dangerous bot known to man. <laughs> Florida Man. Have a little cigarette in his mouth and everything. The cigarette's going to smoke yeah, a little bit. Maybe he's got koozies <laughs> as wheel guards. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good one, too. There's a guy um, used to fight in Robot Wars, Mike Regan, and maybe if he's hearing this, uh, I still got his contact info and everything, but he makes the greatest, like, goofy face things. He had a robot, I can't remember the name of it, but he does all kinds of rubber casting or whatever, and I want to see if I can get him to cast the face or at least design the face for me, because his stuff has just a perfect look on it. But anyway, we got to make it first, I guess. I have one last Let's question here. Team. Oh, we got more questions. Yeah, yeah, no, I got one last question here from Will Hahn because right. you just mentioned um, uh, Robot Wars. Do you ever plan on bringing back the revolutionist uh, garbs from from Robot Wars to BattleBots? <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping Robot Wars would come back because uh, you know, remember in uh, the first uh, year of the ABC reboot, if you look at the graphics I had on top of the robot, it was actually the revolutionist graphics. And the reason, and I love, I love those graphics and wanted to keep them. But the reason why I didn't, because they were making rumblings that uh, Robot Wars is going to come back, and I wanted the Revolutionist to be the Robot Wars because it's way funnier to have a robot called the Revolutionist in England than it is to have it in in the U.S. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you get it, right? The Revolutionist revolves revolution <laughs> United States, <sighs> but. <laughs> I got another story about that one too. If you want to hear, it. yeah, absolutely. But, uh, we're probably not going to bring that garb. They want they want the, you know, the USA flag stuff. Uh, I'm not sure we want to get to the goofy stuff. I'll tell you my my revolutionist story. I was over in uh, doing Robot Wars, and we were sitting in. They had a like a double decker bus outside that they served food Service. to us. Yeah. yeah, so we're sitting out there eating. There's a bunch of I can't remember who all was sitting there. <clears throat> I'm talking to him because it used to be, you know, I had those little tiny teeth on uh, the revolutionist slash Frisbee, whatever. And the whole idea was the tooth would break off before the shell would bend because I only had one shell and it was mild steel. It wasn't hardened. I couldn't afford to have the shell break. So I wanted the teeth to come off before the shell got ruined. So anyway, we're in um, 
were in England doing them and they didn't have a welder. So the teeth were breaking off and I'm having fewer and fewer teeth. And I'm sitting there eating lunch with these guys. Uh, and I go, man, if I lose any more teeth, this robot's going to be British. And the guys in the back, the British guys were eating in the back and they go, no, mate, have to lose a little bit of weight first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Very quick, guys. That's, I think it was the Razor guys. I think it was Ian. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it was funny. Um, so I'm going to take over for Chris here. We have um, a couple. We have a, a number of um, quick fan questions left. Um, if you got the time. Yeah, sure. Awesome. So uh, this one is from Mario Cast, and he wants to know. Team Shredderator, how do you drive and control that heavy-hitting body spinner? Is your body spinner driven by a large gear ring or smaller gears? Are you able to spin upside down with small projections? That I thought I noticed has Kronos team captain Jerry Serafin joined your team this season? So he's got a few a few questions uh, wrapped up in there. Yeah, I didn't understand the last one you were talking about. Who joined the team? Um, Jerry, the guy Jerry Kronos. Serafin from Kronos? No, no. He... he... Was he there this year? Yeah. He didn't have Kronos, though, did he? No. Yeah. He was on uh, Ghost Raptor, wasn't he? Was no. it Ghost? Yeah. No. Yeah, I think it was Ghost Raptor, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. He was on another team this year. He wasn't on ours. But, yeah, I love Kronos. Kronos is probably the one he's getting it confused with because Kronos has a large gear. It's a, His is a ring spinner, not a full-body spinner. So his can drive upside down. Shredderator cannot drive upside down because it's a full-body spinner. The whole outside spins. Um, we've got a live shaft internally, but it does sit on a big gear, which is driven by a smaller pinion gear. So it sounds to me like maybe he's mixing the two designs up in his mind, uh, along with the people. I'm not sure how to answer his question, but the short answer is no. Yeah, I think, I think he got at it. <laughs> uh, None of what he said was right, so... <laughs> Oh, all right. Don't tell me. I don't want to disappoint him. No, I think I think you know he he'll be happy knowing the truth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Ryan Hunter wants to know: uh, a full body spinner needs a lot of room to spin up and function properly. How has the upper deck changed your game this season? And that's something that I'm I'm also really curious about as well. Yeah, it was. You know, I was when I first heard about it. I was even considering not going because I thought it would wreck the whole game. And you saw what happened to Gigabyte. Yeah. That's what people want to call it Gigabyte. You know, Gigabyte fell fell victim to it. He got trapped in the corner, and the guy just stood there and waited for him. And that's what I figured would happen to us every single fight. And I won't say that it happened to us every single fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And that's all I'll say about that. I mean, I, I have to be honest. Uh, I heard about the um, upper deck, you know, before the season. I, I wasn't really looking much about what it was going to be. I figured I'd wait until the season aired to, like, really see what it was. And then when we saw it, Chris and I thought, this thing takes up a quarter of the box. I mean, it's so much bigger than I think we were both anticipating. And that really has to change the game for, for bots like yours. Well, I'll tell you, when they originally threw the idea out there and they threw like a little sketch out, it was taking up a lot more space. And I was really worried about when I got there, I go, oh, this is not quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be an issue because now, <clears throat> you know, there's two little hallways to get stuck on. Even at the very front of the upper deck, there's actually two little miniature little catch places where they have those little, I don't know what do you want to call them, little peninsulas sticking out. 
on all the corners in the center mm-hmm. so they can hold on to their little spinny curly cue thing. But that also creates a trap zone for, for the robot for people to get caught on. You know, here's the thing. They're, they want to keep the, ro- the show interesting. They thought they were trying to make it more interesting. Did they? I'm not sure. Um, but you can't fault them for trying. You know, I, I wasn't super excited about it. But, you know, go with it. Roll with it. Uh, we're going to do the best we can with whatever they throw at us. And we're going to fight whoever they put in front of us. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, Ryan's so other question is, do you have any bots in other weight classes? Yeah, we actually have a lot of robots in every single weight classes except for the 150 gram. We've got uh, one pound, three pounds. I don't think we have a six pound. We've got a 12 pound, 30 pound, 60, 120, 250, and 340. What's the 340? Frisbee Ultimate. Ah. And uh, Mechacidal Maniac, the one that ran at uh, Robotica that I was talking about. Right, right. Wow, that's that's crazy. Um, I don't know if you're if you're like keeping track of what's going on with uh, Norwalk Havoc, but do you have any yeah. plans to compete there? Uh, plans? No. Um, I've heard of it, and I've heard the money might be worth trying at it. And I've got a bunch of robots sitting in boxes here that may be competitive still. I've got three three pounders, a couple of one pounders, and I got a thirty pound full body spinner that looks exactly like Shredderator called Shredhead. The only place it ever competed was, let's see, what was that? In Canada and Minnesota. So we got some robots we could bring down there. I'm not sure. I'm not quite as excited about driving all over the country like I used to do back in the olden days. But if I can pass some of the excitement and thrill on to my kids, maybe they'll want to do it. I'm I'm giving them the the look. Nick, we're, we're looking at you. I'm going back to China. <laughs> I got other kids. I don't need you. Bye bye. <laughs> we, we have alcohol here in New England. <laughs> hey now, I don't. I don't drink anymore, <laughs> and I don't drink any less either. Oh, oh yeah. that's my best drinking joke. <laughs> it's only drinking. Yeah, but it's my best one. If you're gonna have only one joke, it might as well be a good one. That's true. I meant to that. Um, <laughs> so Kikoto Main asks, generally speaking, how would you describe your time competing in King of Bots? And would you be interested in coming back should they ever do another season? Hey, this guy talks crap about us on Reddit. Why would he do that? Doesn't he love us? Okay, well, we'll pay attention to his question. How about that? So King of Bots was a fantastic experience. It changed my son's life, and he should love it. I love it. Um, The problem is they ran into financial problems. Their uh, sponsor never paid them their final payment. So guess what? They never paid us our final payment. So they still owe me about $20,000. But that being said, I would probably still go. But I might have to get a little more money up front next time. <laughs> yeah, we we heard that uh, a number of times with the people that we've interviewed who who went out there, and yeah, probably getting the money ahead of time is a good a good idea. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, people cry and moan and complain about it, but they still paid an awful lot of money. They still paid for the robots to go to China. They still paid for our whole team to go to China. They put us in hotels. They gave us food. They drove us around. I mean, you can cry about not getting Gave the money. assistance. Yeah, we had a personal assistant there the whole time that we could ask, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning, let's go out and get something to eat. And she'd go get us something to eat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
I think it was great. I think they treated us like kings. Yeah, we didn't get all the money they promised us, but we got a hell of a lot more we got from anybody else. So, yeah, I would go. And the experience was just so great. And the, Yeah, the experience was, you know, we've paid our own way to a lot of other places and had a great time. And they paid for us to go, and we still had a great time. It's everything's what you make it. If you wanna, if you wanna fixate on how much money they should have gave you, you might lose track of how much money you got. You might lose track of how much fun you had. You might lose track of all the friends you made. I mean, I'd rather just concentrate on that than worrying about the money that I lost. I'm not sure we made any friends. <laughs> I think we made one friend. Well, you made a friend. Oh no no no. <laughs> oh yeah, you lost her. That's fine. Well, at least you got a you know paid paid trip over to China. How how many people can see it? Say that. Uh, thirty five. Right. <laughs> no, I don't know how many people, are but yeah, exactly. And that's you know initially I was bummed out because I put a lot of money into the robot. But yeah, I still have the robots. You know, initially they wanted to keep the robots. No, that, that was Clashbot. No, no, these guys did too. Both of them did. Oh. They wanted to um, they wanted to give us the money, but then they wanted to keep the robots at the end. And, you know, so we went around and around a little bit on that. We ended up being able to keep the robots. So, you know, they might not have finished paying for everything, but we still got the robots. That's something. Yeah, that's something. Plus all the memories. Uh, so Jesse Mullen uh, has a very, very scientific technical question. And he's oh, good. Those are my favorite. Jolly good. <laughs> MC squared, sir. You got it. You got all it. Right. <laughs> all I, right. I, I know the answer. So, yeah, so he wants to know, what exactly is the physics, baby? <laughs> Gyroscopic precession, baby. You can't beat it. Spin spin weight in a circle. Yeah. Physics, baby, has a much, you know, shorter, nicer ring to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I used to try to explain all the physics to everybody because you would not believe how many times people come up to me and go, hey, why don't you put like a generator in there and then have the shell run the generator and you can make your own electricity and you don't have to have the batteries. And I'm going, you know, I used to try to explain them the conservation of energy and all that sort of stuff. And now I just say, yeah, we don't have the weight for that. Probably the more simple <laughs> or the, uh, the, you know, they can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. So if they want to, you know, you want to talk about gyroscopic precession and, you know, lateral stability and friction and downforce, eh, it's just physics, baby. Nice. Um, so Andre Cruz asks, and I think he kind of touched on this in the beginning, but let's touch on it again. Um, did any other full body spinners inspire what you do with Captain Shredderator's design? Uh Maybe not so much the design, but just the concept itself was uh, Mahler and Ziggo, you know, back in 1999, 2000. They were the first ones. And I thought, that's a great idea. That's the most efficient design. And I'm going to do it, but I'm going to try to make a heavyweight as good as the lightweight Ziggo. You know, and maybe Ziggo had the curved shell, so maybe that's where I got the idea from. I don't pretend to be that original, but... Yeah, those were the inspirations with Mahler and Ziggo. Uh, and then he follows up by asking, what does it feel like being the underdog of BattleBots? Well, you get used to it after about five or six years. <laughs> 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 yeah, so America loves the underdog. So but when I was actually winning and tearing everybody up, people didn't like me as much as they do now or maybe feel sorry for me. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know which one it is. But... Uh, you know, 
I'm not sure we are the underdog. I mean, win or lose, your robot's going to come out losing some pieces for the most part. And that's what I always used to tell people. We, I still remember we're lined up in line one time and some guy was talking crap to me saying, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I said, yeah, you know, but the worst thing that's going to happen to my robot is it's going to lose. Whatever happens, yours is going home in a box. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's true. Good. You know, people beat Shredderator, but they don't go away unscathed. And nobody likes to fight Shredderator because of that. So, and that's definitely a feather in the cap, you know? Yeah. Yep. Win or lose, but be spectacular. BattleBots will keep asking you back, and they still do. So, I don't know. Drew Willis, he might be another person that uh, bugs you on Reddit. I don't know. But he wants to know is the robot really that powerful this year? It's as powerful as a, I'd say it's more powerful because the each one of the motors is as powerful as one of the motors before and we had two and now we have four. So I tried, you know, last season I toned everything down trying to make it last better. So we were only spinning maybe 12 to 1500 RPM last year, which wasn't quite fast enough. So whenever we would hit somebody we would actually lose the spin a little bit too much. There there's like a, like a sweet spot where you spin fast enough where you can impart enough energy into them, but still keep the shell momentum up so it can accelerate back up again. If you get down too low and they slow you down too much, you lose that gyroscopic precession, and then it's harder to spin back up again. So the speed we were running last year was just, you know, I, I slowed it down for reliability, but it made it too easy to stop the shell. This year, we're spinning pretty close to 1,800, 2,000 when we're up to full speed. And you can see the difference when we hit somebody you might not have seen it in this fight but you'll see it in future ones we'll hit somebody and the spin speed stays up enough to keep us stable see the problem is if you slow down you know physics baby if you slow down you start to wobble and bounce around the arena and you could flip over as long as you're spinning you stay flat so you got to have enough energy after the impact so the shell still has the gyroscop gyroscopic precession to stabilize it if that makes sense to you I think so. All right. Um, so we have. That's a wordy way of saying it's just physics, baby. It all comes down to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got uh, three last questions here for you. One of them is from Matt Davenport, who says, "What is the Florida man curse?" As a Florida native, I'm curious. Also, great to see you at Robot Ruckus. Wait, is this show live? <laughs> <laughs> How do they know about Florida man? Wait a minute, you somebody's sneaking our secrets around. Yeah, we're already oh, leaking God. all the data. The Hatfields and McCoys all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I forgot what the question was. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> he just wants to know what the Florida man curse is. I guess uh, he lives in Florida, and uh, he might be concerned it applies to him. Yeah, I'm not sure. If I could figure out what the curse was, we wouldn't be having it anymore. But we sure seem to. You know, like I used to make machines that were idiot proof and the world keeps coming up with dumber idiots. And, you know, I keep <laughs> getting rid of problems with my robot and the robot keeps coming up with dumber problems. So <laughs> that might be the curse. I like it. Uh, Matthew Cahoy has a good question. You've been in the game a long time. What is your number one memory from the sport? I don't know if there is a number one. I mean, I've had so many good memories <clears throat> and so many good times. You know, I used to kind of complain and bemoan the time and money and everything that I've sunk into this thing. But 
you know, you think about all the the exciting opportunities that it's opened up for me. I mean, I had my own TV show on DIY Network called Robot Wire Rivals for a couple of years. I wrote for Robot Magazine. I've met so many friends. I've gone to Korea. I've gone to, China. you know, China. Yeah. I've gone to, you know, all sorts of other countries. Met all kinds of people. And to just try to pick one good memory out of that is really impossible. It's been a, a fantastic, rich, and rewarding time, uh, but really expensive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so final question is from resident BattleBots bad boy, uh, Hydra Captain Jake Ewert, who wants to know, <laughs> he wants to know, why do you keep doing bots? Because sooner or later, I'm going to beat that damn Hydra. That's why. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Just to see Jake's beautiful face at BattleBots. Yeah, to, you know, if it was a serious question coming from Jake, I don't know if it really is or not because he's kind of got the stuck in the same loop that I'm stuck in. At least his dad was. I mean, when I first met him, he was probably 10 years old, maybe even younger. But, <clears throat> you know, his dad passed the passion on to him and, you know, I didn't quite pass it on to my kids, but I keep trying. But, you know, it's something in the blood that, you know, it's it's the camaraderie with the people. It's the... Um, I love to invent things. You know, my my job was I invented industrial robotics. I love to design a machine and see it come to life <clears throat> and see it actually work and do stuff. And, you know, you hate to see it get torn up. You know, Shredder is pretty good about not getting torn up most of the time. But I think it's just the creativity and seeing what you make move and hanging out with really cool people. Not Jake. <laughs> <Burn>. <laughs> I'll hang out with you, nah, Jake. Jake's one of my favorite guys to hang out with, to be honest with you. Awesome. Well, Brian, Nick, thank you both so, so much for talking with us. Sure. Um, great job in your match against Tombstone. And we are really, woo, and we're really, really looking forward to seeing Captain Shredderator in the battle box again soon. Hey, see ya. Good talking to you. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. break time for robots around the world this week we are headed to the uk where a company called engineered arts is showing off an incredibly lifelike new robot that's designed to express emotion through muscles in its face in a new video the robot named amika looks annoyed when someone invades the robot's personal space and boops it on the nose amika furrows its brows and scowls before shooing away the person's hand. So robots really are like us, guys. Uh, the company says this robot will be designed for in-person customer service. So, you know, if you have uh, a soup that you got to bring back because it's not cold, well, it's not hot or whatever, the robot will uh, shoo you away and uh, knock the soup right out of your hand. Dump a boiling hot bowl of soup into your lap. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. I uh, it's interesting that they are going to program uh, facial expressions into customer service bots. I feel like it. If you really want to have a good customer service, it should just always be smiling. So why is this a, such a combative robot? When was the last time you saw someone in customer service smiling? I have not left the house. I don't know. 
<laughs> I've been wearing a snuggie for two years. I used to work retail and like I was at JC Penney's in college. And um you know, behavior is communication and you don't always want to smile at your customers. You might want to provide them with another emotional experience to perhaps expedite the process of them being in the store. I used to work the register at Toys R Us during the height of the Pokemon card craze back in the 90s. And um, I had been nearly brought to tears by so many mothers around Christmas time who had to uh, buy their children 100 packs of Pokemon cards or else they were going to were have the worst Christmas ever. But there was a, a hard five-pack limit. So, like, people are waiting in line for, like, half an hour in Christmas lines with, like, 100 packs of Pokemon cards. And I had to be like... Uh, no, I'm sorry, ma'am. You could only buy five of those. And I, and I, I am not kidding. On one occasion, I had a, I had a lady, she reached across the counter and she grabbed me by my blue Jeffrey vest and pulled <laughs> my face into hers. And she told me, and I'll cut out some of the, uh, the, the curse words, but she's like, if I don't get my kid a hundred bleeping packs of these bleeping, bleeping cards, like I'm going to, like, I'm going to lose it. And I'm, and like, Meanwhile, I'm sure that my manager's behind the uh, the security glass just having the time of their lives because they would just keep coming out and be like, Chris, Chris, tell the, tell the next person that they can only have three packs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, that was my surgery. I used to wear customer service and... Um, the only way I could get through the day was by being exceedingly nice. Like I would be the cashier who would be like, so, oh, wow. Look at this chicken. What are you going to be making with it? Oh, let me get your whole life story. Um, Cause people like to give me their life stories without me prompting them anyway. But like, that was the only way I could pass the time without hating my life was like being really just overly involved. And, uh, it sucked. I don't know. And then people would come in. We'd close at 7 p.m. And they'd come in at like 6.57 and then call their husbands and be like, what should we have for dinner tonight? And we're all like, get out of the store. So, okay, I guess I can see where a, a, you know, hostile robot could come in handy. Do you ever work retail, Luke? Uh, retail, like in a store? No, Luke, like on a spaceship. <laughs> Uh, no, let's see. In high school, I went straight into investment banking. So, no. The closest I, the closest I ever did, so, like, I, I worked at a pizzeria, you know, like, I, I took phone orders at a pizza place. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was pretty chill. Like, uh, I don't, I feel like, I, you know, I didn't get in any fights with any customers or anything like that. I think that this might be why you are so calm as a person. <laughs> You never, yeah. you were never broken at J- JC Penney's. <laughs> yeah, no, just, uh, yeah, just, just doing pizza deliveries. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, it's a perfect high school job. You know what I mean? I mean, listen, I, I, the, the worst thing that happened to me at the pizzeria was that every night there was somebody who would call and order a fake pizza and say they were going to come in and pick it up. And it was only like five or six hours later that I realized that, uh, you know, this like uh, cheeseless, 
exclusively like triple pineapple pizza was fake and no one intended to come and pick it up and uh, they were just messing with me right and it happened every night chris were you ordering pizza that you knew nobody would come pick up so you could have a triple pineapple (laughs) bread dough to bring home at the end of the night, they're like, okay, we're going to throw out this pizza because it's been in the, the pizza warmer for like six hours. And I'm like, oh, I'll take it. And I'm like literally eating, you know, a, a triple pineapple, no cheese, like on, on the walk home. It was pretty bleak, but, Did they you know, give you a know. fake name too? Like, was this Hugh Jass or the yes. Ilk? The Ilk? Yes. <laughs> you know, of the Ilk of those names. I'm yes. gonna, when I order pizza, I'm going to say my name is The Ilk. Lindsay, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was the same culprit every single night. And, you know, like, you know, you take probably 50 or 60 phone calls and you completely just like you get into a groove. You don't even think critically about it. And you don't challenge people on like, oh, you don't want cheese. Who is this? You know, One large tomato bacon ranch. I am The Ilk. <laughs> and that's about it for us today we'll be back in your feed next wednesday with another mystery guest we'll see you then folks bye bye bye